The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billing Hahn Jr., and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Central, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. As well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Kali for 97 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lachman on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn, Sr., in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the settings, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. There is nothing more energizing and uplifting than having a revival. Saints, friends, TV viewers, just because we are still required to practice social distancing, there is nothing wrong with continuing to give praise and glory to our Savior. You don't need an audience. Just lift your voice towards heaven and thank our glorious Lord for all that he has done for you, your family, your loved ones, and even your friends every day. The Apostolic Faith Church Choir under the faithful leadership of Emilia Hahn will open the musical portion of the program with its lively number entitled Revival in the Land. 
accompanied by Edith Matsuka on the piano and Rose Pahakukara on the organ. I beckon you to join in and sing along with the choir as the words appear on your screen.
Amen, and praise the Lord for that wonderful rendition. Thank you, choir. Have you been revived, and are you ready to face the day, viewers? To be revived in the Lord means one must keep working for the furtherance of the gospel work and win souls for Jesus. Let me now call upon the members of our church band under my direction and have them play the song entitled, Work for the Night is Coming. We all need to keep working for the Lord until He deems us ready to make that final journey home.
Sometimes the labor and responsibilities of life can truly overwhelm even the most energetic spirit. We are still here in human form, so we will continue to face the toils and labors of life. Things that friends always remember, as dark and distressing as our experience on this earth can get, all one needs to do is to focus on our Heavenly Father. Look up and remind yourself, just a little while longer, and I will be with Jesus. Trusty Associate Adam Sproul Sr. will sing for one and all his rendition of the wonderful melody entitled, Oh, I Want to See Him. Accompanying Edwin will be myself on the piano, Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass.
it's all past home at last The true born-again believer continues his calls on the Father for strength, grace, and patience to live out his or her life until they are ready to meet him in the air. Thank you, Edwin. The church choir will sing their second number for today entitled, If God Be For Us. Let us all hang on to the promise of the Father. He will always see us through our tests and tribulations. With Jesus, we will obtain the victory. Amen. And so we continue with the Lord's work without fail and with the same love and compassion that Lord gives to us. 
In true humility, let us be mindful that our work for the Savior is not for nothing but for the furtherance of the gospel work. Our instrumentalist today, Punahele Kapuni, will play on her auto harp. The song entitled, Will Work Till Jesus Comes. It does a hard good to know that as disruptive and as stress-driven as the world has become, there are many spirit-filled believers who pray. To pray for this lost and dying world, to bring the lost to Jesus, is the greatest responsibility given to the born-again believer. We must all pray for others, for our loved ones, and for ourselves. After all, saints and friends, someone is praying for you. Our vocal group known as the Daughters of Judah will gracefully sing to you and to the Father the number entitled, The Beautiful Garden of Prayer. I would like to dedicate today's melody to a wonderful brother in the Lord. It is to Spiri Tuuli, a gracious and generous member who truly loves the Lord and the gospel work. Brother Speedy, your love for the Lord and your generous spirit will not go unrewarded. May the good Lord smile down upon you each and every day with joy and happiness. Take care, Brother Speedy, and have a glorious Sunday. Wondrously 
Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, 
and I'd like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view a Kingdom of God crusade te telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services that are conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakai, Molokai. Services are held every second Sunday of the month at our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui by Pastor Walter Aitin Loy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you decide to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. It has been very heartwarming and a true privilege indeed, receiving your calls, written correspondences, and verbal expressions of deep admiration and esteem for our talented choir, band, orchestra, and various vocal and instrumental groups who diligently participate in the musical portion of our weekly telecast. However, no matter how awesome their performances or presentations may be, remember that our paramount and above all else on these telecasts is the inspiring Word of God, for it not only quenches one's thirst, it is the very staff of life itself, and truly food for the hungry soul. Oftentimes, people unwarily become attached to a preacher, a pastor, a priest, a minister, far more than Jesus. This, in my opinion, can lead to unwarranted situations, which can result in great personal disappointments, such as we have occasionally witnessed in the news media. Man is weak. Man fails. But you can be sure Jesus never fails. 
The star of our weekly telecast, viewers, is certainly Jesus, and you should always hang your laurels upon him. Therefore, with that thought in mind, my sermon today is entitled, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The ministry of Jesus spanned approximately three years. The cities of Capernaum and Tiberias that lined the Sea of Galilee can recall very vividly the profound truths of his words, his commanding presence, and the captivating effect his sermons had upon all who listened with a believing heart. Eventually, Jesus took his ministry northward to Jerusalem, and as the numbers of followers dwindled because of unbelief, more time was spent with a smaller company of committed disciples. It was in the last year of his ministry that the time he spent preparing them for his physical absence was crucial. Today, our television ministry serves a special purpose as well. It is to prepare all believers for the unpreventable return of Jesus. Yes, the redemption of his saints is at hand, and we must be ready. Should someone ask you to define the righteousness of God, the answer is very simple. The righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. The life he lived, the words which he spoke, and that touched every heart, served as a prime example for all men to follow. At the young age of 12, he confounded and astonished the scholarly men in the temple. His response to his mother and father upon explaining his absence when they returned to Jerusalem looking for him was, How is it that he sought me? Was he not that I must be about my father's business? Can we confidently say that we are about our father's business? Therefore, it is essential that individuals who occupy positions of trust should be conscientious of their behavior in public and in private, and it begins with the religious leaders. The preacher's motto is, practice what I preach, and the sermon is first for the preacher. For all the preachers in the world today, I encourage you to welcome the challenge of living according to the Word of God. The Word of God has never changed and what was required of the apostles is required of all who preach the word of God. Yes, I will concur that society has changed in its views regarding Jesus, but we are reminded Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Many Christian leaders lack the boldness and the intestinal fortitude to stand and be counted for the name and the blood of Jesus. Believers worldwide should embrace the promises of God without reservations, and live as though they knew Jesus were returning tomorrow. As believers, we must understand that any teaching or lifestyle that is contrary to God's word is not of the Lord. God is the originator of the gospel, and Jesus is the focal point of salvation. We read in Galatians 1, 10-12, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For the true servant of God, there is no other gospel. There is no other way. In God's eyes, there is no substitute for righteousness, which makes the necessity of water baptism all the more important. 
To be saved through grace is a revelation from God, and the church today is led by God himself through the power of the Holy Ghost. Has the power of God diminished? And is it now rendered powerless to the present-day lifestyles and achievements of mankind? Of course not. Jesus is alive and he lives within us. All believers should be anticipating the greatest event the world will ever witness. That is, the glorious return of Jesus Christ. His first appearance in the second advent will be to gather the saved from this lost and dying world. The calling of God's people home on that resurrection morn will unite the dead in Christ with all the living who await his return. Yes, the scripture tells us, when the call is made, come up hither, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The exhilaration the rapture produces should be evident in the lives of every true born-again believer. The question is, are we ready for his return? And are we living the kind of life approved by God? Are what puzzles and divides the Christian realm? It would be wrong for me to say you are saved by faith alone, or being a prudent man with apparent Christian principles is sufficient for salvation. It would be easy for me to evade the straight and narrow path by saying all denominations preach the same doctrine. But in reality, we know it is not true. I implore you to allow the Holy Ghost to enlighten you to the truth about salvation. I am sure you are familiar with the Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus, who was on the vengeful path of persecuting the church. However, he was enlightened by God in a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus while traveling to Damascus. Once enlightened, Paul the Apostle sought to spread the gospel and made it his sole purpose in life to preserve and perpetuate it. The point being made is that we read the same Bible and seek after the promise of eternal life. But are we likened unto Saul or likened to Paul? Paul agreed as to the necessity of water baptism, emphasizing that it be done in the name of Jesus. On the other hand, Saul was staunch and rigid in the religion of his forefathers. Let me remind you, TV viewers, that the names found in the Lamb's Book of Life are of those who have taken on the name of Jesus in water baptism, just as Paul did. Jesus instructed Nicodemus, another Pharisee, as recorded in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What we preach today, Paul preached then. The revelation given to Peter speaks of being born again, as you read in Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul the Apostle, through his love for righteousness, diverted all his efforts into doing what Jesus wanted him to do, which was repent, believe, be baptized of water and of the Spirit, and thus be saved through the name of Jesus. The significance of Paul's turn about to support the preaching of Jesus Christ occurred quite suddenly and unexpectedly that those who believed in Jesus were at first very cautious and skeptical about Paul's conversion because Saul's arrogance, unchallenged authority, mastery of the law, and mannerism disallowed anything but the Jewish religion. His sudden about-face confession of his well-meaning ignorance 
reads as follows in Acts 26, 9. I've already thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary, meaning against, to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Totally immersed in unbelief that is with his own light, his unyielding and implacable spirit led him to vigorously pursue the followers of Jesus into Damascus. While on this pursuit, he and his companions were surrounded and struck down by an overbearing light. In this light, God's voice spoke. The voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The experience was overwhelming. And it was as if he was in the presence of God, bodily and spiritually. The encounter made him aware of his misguided efforts, such that he instantly repented and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Yes, Paul's experience brought about repentance, and the purpose for the word is fulfilled. When a soul repents and is baptized in his new life in Christ, the change in Paul was apparent as he boldly stood defending his enlightened faith regarding the promises ensued by their forefathers. Paul writes in Acts 26, 6-7, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. I ask you to weigh carefully the words of Paul, the apostle, with your present spiritual status and views, and if differences exist, May a sense of utmost urgency in obeying the gospel of the good news be absolutely paramount. In addition, please take note of Paul's tactful approach in persuading his persecutors to Christ as he employed the knowledge of his accusers to incriminate themselves by turning their assault into self-conviction. Emphasizing the hope of their forefathers, which Paul desired for himself and all of Israel, the preaching of Jesus Christ made the promise which they both longed for achievable. Along those lines, Peter focused on the importance of the name of Jesus as you read in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in another, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul gave up his traditional belief for the gospel of Christ. He confessed in Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Won't you do the same to assure your salvation today? Jesus instructed the disciples thusly in Matthew 6.33, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He wanted the disciples to consider the circumstances they faced and weigh them against the value of their souls. Jesus wanted them to realize the things that were tangible and the things that were not. He opened their awareness to the compare the immeasurable value of eternal life with the temporal things and see how worthless such things were. Jesus relayed the atmosphere then, which was how the power to influence unbelievers into righteousness can be lost when believers lose sight of the hope of their calling and participate in willful sin. Paul admonished his one-time peers. Let us read Romans 2, 17, verses 21 and 24. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and it the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent. 
being instructed out of the law and art confident that thou of thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher, babes, which had the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teaches another, teaches of not thyself. Thou that preaches a man should not steal, dost thou steal? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Yadesh says, do as I say and not as I do. Should never proceed out of the lips of true born-again Christians. Jesus is alive and dwells within the body of Christ through the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus himself. The spirit that was poured out upon the 120 while in the upper chamber on the day of Pentecost is the self-same spirit that dwells within those who love him still. It is the self-same spirit that administers the gifts of God to govern his church, that may present itself spotless and blameless when it stands before him in judgment. It is the self-same spirit whose fruits of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance that establishes the foundation of the godly living. Therefore, God doesn't want his shepherds nor his flock to be of a superficial nature, but to be down-to-earth, honest, full of integrity, sincere, prayerful, watchful, Holy Ghost-filled, and inspired. In Paul's epistle to Titus, he renders instructions on what pastors ought to be. We read in Titus 2, 7-8, in all things, showing the self a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to see of you. In God, there are no double standards. We encourage every believer to live a life that is holy and acceptable unto God. We are able to do it with confidence and conviction because we have done it ourselves quite successfully. What ought to be true of every believer in the body of Christ should be true of every pastor or minister. God has set high standards for those whom he has prepared and chosen to preach his word. The magnitude of responsibility for pastors is very demanding. However, the beauty here is that God also gives adequate strength in proportion or measure to the responsibilities given. We must remind ourselves that we cannot change the qualifications of the servants of God, let alone change the qualifications for salvation. Let us read in 1 Peter 4, 17-19. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him, well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Good leadership is essential to pastoring, and one should lead by example. A good leader was once a good follower. As an apprentice of sword, he followed instructions that responded in a positive manner to correction. He was not stubborn or obstinate, but in fact was humble, conscientious, and eager to learn. His goal was not to flaunt success, but to exercise and develop his talent. He often recalled the scripture found in Proverbs, the 15th chapter, and the 33rd verse. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Therefore, he identified himself with the goals and objectives and was willing to sacrifice a part of himself to obtain these goals. 
that when it was time to receive the scepter, this person was well-versed and bolded to accept the responsibility of caring for his flock. God has charged each of his pastors with caring for, leading, guiding, instructing, and directing the flock. Therefore, their conduct in that honorable office must be guarded in spiritual maturity, in personality, appearance, tactfulness, self-control, courage, authority, planning, self-motivation, and a confident attitude that nothing is impossible with God. Yes, we who are anointed of God have been given the grace to feed His sheep and to feed His lambs, the pure word of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. We read in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 to 4, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of our ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being the examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Therefore, we must be an example in the eyes of those whom we lead, in prayer, sacrifice, perseverance, fasting, and long-suffering, as we wait for the coming of the Lord. The psalmist writes in Psalms 118.24, This is a day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I ask you, our viewers, are you on the victory side of things? Don't you think that there is enough turmoil and sorrow in the world? Should the Christians in this world be adding to that situation? When tasks appear to be hard and overwhelming, is the joy of the Lord your strength? When tests and trials come your way, will you remember the comfort found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that he may be able to bear it. The victory and the promises of God are nigh at hand. I always encourage my congregation to rise above all the things that depress them, and get excited about the heavenly things. Jesus is alive and He is coming again. What greater incentive can there be which keeps the people of God on that straight and narrow path, leading to the kingdom of God? Once a member of the congregation said, It seems you don't have any tests or trials or burdens because you're always so happy and spirited. What's your secret? The answer to that member was, Jesus gives me strength to handle those tests and trials. And he comforts me so that any hardship I encounter lasts but for a moment. He tells me to place my burdens at the foot of the cross and pick them not up again. Jesus said, put me first and everything will fall into its rightful place. Yes, it is no secret what God can do. What he can do for me, he can do for you as well. Some have told me that they suffer from stress and become depressed and distraught as a result of it. In my vocabulary, there is no such word as stress. The world is carefully watching how believers handle themselves in similar situations that they of the world are experiencing. Our successes through Christ will open the eyes of the unsaved and may very well bring them to salvation. How can the light of Jesus shine in this dark world of unbelief if believers have no stamina for the faith? Letting others see Jesus in us doing every facet of our lives is the greatest testimony we can ever be. Turn to Galatians 2.20. We read, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
There is no substitute for righteousness outside the name of Jesus. Paul was able to willingly give up his former life for a new life in Jesus. Grace performed its work and through traditions played an important part in his life, Paul now saw the importance of faith. Thus he saw Jesus through the eyes of that faith. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for sin. As a result, we have access to eternal life through faith in him. When we crucify ourselves with Christ, we bring an end to the former life, including the affections and lusts of the world, and we are willing to live with Jesus at the helm of our hearts. It is unfortunate that many wishes to have a relationship with Jesus, however they desire on their own terms. Remember, to deviate from the gospel is to embrace another. Paul warned the church at Galatia about this, and the warning still stands today for the born-again Christian. Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and his soon return in clouds of glory, all together will bring us to eternal life. We read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 to 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that he walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. An important fact about true faith is the old nature is not hidden, nor is it a result of a makeover like one was a product of a beauty salon. The new man is, is Jesus formed in the believer. As we repent, Jesus forgives and removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. With a new and improved view of Jesus, a believer cultivates good attitudes and his or her only desire is what is best for the church. Now, if you would like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecasts presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And to our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. I call upon the church band to close today's program by playing for one and all the number entitled Sunlight.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.